You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, our guest is Beth Finke and her guide dog, Harper. And Beth is an NPR commentator, author, teacher, and journalist. And she's going to talk with us about her latest book, which is a children's book about her retired guide dog. And it's called Hanny and Beth, Safe and Sound. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Beth and Harper to the show. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Buster, you're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition, I guarantee it. Petco, where the healthy pets go. Enter the code WORK10, W-O-R-K, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. I play tennis because I love to. But inside, I want to win. Take away the court, the net. I might not be a player, but I'll always be a competitor. Lady Footlocker understands that. Lady Footlocker, the first to carry Adidas off-court shoes and the gear that goes with them. If you play your best, there's no regret. Lady Footlocker, one place, every woman. Go to ladyfootlocker.com and enter the code AFWRK1LF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFWRK2LF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at ladyfootlocker.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, this is Tim Link, host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join me as we feature interviews with best-selling pet-related authors, award-winning writers, journalists, and bloggers. And we'll tell stories about the animals and interesting topics about the animals in our lives. Each of the interviews will give you a first-hand knowledge about why the authors and writers chose a particular story, what the feature animals meant to them, and what has become of those animals that we've talked about. And of course, I'll also share stories from my own books, blogs, articles, and experiences. So be sure to join me and the writers and authors on Animal Rights. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Beth and Harper, and welcome to Working Like Dogs. Oh, great to be here. Thanks. Well, we're so glad you could be with us. We have so much to talk about. But, Beth, first of all, I just wanted to ask you, so how many dogs and how long have you been partnered with the guide dog? I am on my third seeing eye dog, and let me think about uh, my first one I got in 99. So 20 years. I've been with dogs for 20 years now. Wow, well, you and I are just about the same. I'm Is that right? And I've never thought, no one's, boy, I hadn't thought, no one's ever asked me how long. 20 years, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm a little over 20 years, but, uh, but, but close to that, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, time flies, right? It does. <laughs> it is funny to think that, yes. Yeah, so you're with Harper now, which is your third dog. And how long have you guys been together? Just since December. I um, I went off to the Seeing Eye School the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I was there for three weeks with Harper. I retired Hani at that time. Actually, um, my husband can see, and so I said goodbye to Hani at the apartment, so it wasn't too terribly sad. I mean, she was in her old place. I went off on the plane to train with Harper. She stayed with Mike, my husband, for a couple weeks, and then he brought her over to our friends where she's living now. She's been adopted by some very good friends of ours who are spoiling her to death. Oh, good, good. Yes. I know people always want to know what happens to our dogs after they retire. That's a a common question that I get a lot. Yes. But I don't know if it's the same with service dog. Uh, It is a question people have, and you, you can choose to have the dog as a pet while you have your working dog. You can bring the dog back to the seeing eye, and they have a long list of people who are would love to adopt a retired dog, or you can find a friend who would like to take your dog. And in my case... Uh, for a couple of reasons. It happens with both of my dogs. I love my guide dog so much that I'm always afraid that I won't be able to devote myself to the new dog if I have the, the previous dog there. And so I just thought, honey, I just needed to have honey away so I could devote myself to Harper. Um, plus, we live in a city, and I live on the seventh floor of an apartment building, and once you retire a dog, you can't use them as a guide dog anymore. And so I would have to hire somebody to walk her outside and do all it just it was a little complicated and and for her I think it's great she's like I say she's living with her friends she's already gained six pounds she lays on the couch she you know she's living the retired life I want to have when I retire exactly (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that she so richly deserves yeah yes that's awesome Yeah. yeah I hear what you're saying though and I I certainly can appreciate that when I got my first dog and I heard people talk about all the things that you just listed. I, I didn't get it. But yeah. after after having a dog and having, like you said, it's devoting yourself to that next one to really make that bond really solid and to be able to work. I just lost my second dog. Oh. My retired guy just passed away yeah. not too long ago. And I have to say it's been a big difference not having him in the house. Yes. I can actually tell it's much easier on Whistle. Oh, that's very interesting. But yeah. we should both point out it's different for different dogs and different people. Plenty Absolutely. of people keep their dogs and, and, and plenty of people. It, it's all, 
you do what's best for your dog. Right, and right, for, right. Yeah. It's an individual choice. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yep. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you and Harper are working together and that yeah. Harper is, is off enjoying her twilight amazing years. That's <laughs> yes. awesome. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And so you just, you're, tell us about your new book. My new book, okay, Honey and Best, Safe and Sound. It's my second book. My first book is called Long Time No See, and it's a memoir of my losing my sight. I lost my sight when I was 26. And that book came out in 2003, and it did well enough that I got to go around the country and go to bookstores and libraries, and I just loved it, loved, loved, loved. In fact, I found out that I really like to, I found a lot about what I liked about traveling with a guide dog, but I especially like staying in a hotel by myself that somebody else is paying for. It's my, I just, it makes me feel like a grown up and I just, it's just yeah. such a kick. And, uh, and I realized I can do that uh, with the help of my dog. I can find my way to my ho- my room. We can get through the lobby. We can, you know, and hotel rooms are pretty basic. They're kind of things that are bolted to the floor. You can't really knock things over, you know. So anyway. I figured out I liked that, and um, I was able to keep traveling with the first book for a couple years, but then after a couple years, the books get old, frankly, and uh, fewer conferences were asking me to come, and fewer, you know, so I had to write another book. Um, I found that when I was talking about Long Time No See, which is a story about losing my sight, um, staying married, we have a son, I had a baby after I lost my sight, and I got a dog and I I lost my job because I had lost my sight before the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed. So it's a book, you know, there's a lot going on in the book, but when it came time to ask questions, the questions were, where'd you get your dog? What kind of dog is that? How old's your dog? The the, the, the dog, dog, you know, and so I started looking, I thought, I got to find some books about seeing eye dogs to, to suggest to people that they read when they ask all these questions. And I started looking and boy, was I surprised there are very few and surprisingly few for children. I got interested in books for children. I'll be honest with you. uh, The first book took me three years to write and 10 years to find a publisher, and it's 200 pages long. And I thought, maybe I'll try this children's book thing. They're only 24 pages. And I, I I talked about it for a long time, and finally on a cold, rainy day in Chicago, I sat down and wrote it. Originally, it was called... It was about a dog, you know, writing a memoir, you talk about yourself a lot, and when you're promoting it, you talk about yourself. I just, I was very tired of myself, and I thought, I'm going to write this fictional book about a dog that doesn't like his job very much, but he learns that if he does his job, he gets special privileges, gets to go to places other dogs don't get to go, and he's helping a person, and so the book was, it's about a book, a dog that wondered why the other dogs get to play Frisbee, and he has to work all the time, and why other dogs get to lift their leg on every tree they see, but he has to wait until the person takes the harness off and says it's okay. And so it was called Long Time No Pee as a sequel to Long Time No See. And can you believe it, Marcy? Nobody took that book. But I love that. I do too. I'm keeping it. You know, I, I, you know, I, I have it in the back of my mind that sometime I'll come out with Long Time No Pee. But a few publishers were interested in what I proposed, and one of them said, if you're going to go out and promote this book, it's got to be about you and your dog. You, yeah. can't, you can't have this fictional dog. You know, you're going to be the one. You're going to be going to schools. Kids are going to be meeting you. They're going to want to meet Honey. So, uh, Honey and Beth Safe and Sound was born. It does have one line in it from the original. It was all rewritten. But the only concept that's still in there really is two or three. One is... Honey wonders why she has to work and all the other dogs get to play. So there is that phrase. And then there is the idea that she 
it makes her feel good to help me, and it, and sh- she does have privileges that other dogs don't get. That's to educate kids about uh, service dogs, but it's also to help them realize that if they help somebody, they get special privileges too. It feels good to help somebody else, and yeah, so. Yeah, that's, that's the children's book. Yeah, well, it sounds like it, it just captures so well the experience of, of working dogs, which is so hard to convey to people. So yes, you can, way, yes. Yeah, so the way you're doing it through this children's book, that's awesome. And you'd be surprised how many adults buy it and dog lovers. That I have signed a lot of books for two Sparky, from, you know, and yeah. Honey's rubber paw print is rubber stamped in each book. So, I, uh, yeah, there's been, it's, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. That's great. When did it come out? It came out in 2007, and then in 2008, it won the Henry Berg Children's Book Award from the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, so it got a huge second life from that. That's been just fascinating, fabulous, and it has a, a this is what I always wanted, it has a gold sticker on oh, a seal, yes, I guess, yes. a medallion <laughs> on the front cover. So yes, I love that's that. Awesome. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Even more official and, and, yes. and flashy. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. And when people, you know, when godparents are in some bookstore or some aunt or uncle that doesn't know anything about children's book and they look through all the books and they see that one with the gold medallion, they go, well, that must be good. So right. that's been fun. Right, right. And, that's and then seriously, what an honor to be, to be, chosen from ASPCA. Fabulous. I mean, that's, you know, so. Yeah. Well, that's such a great contribution that you made on so many levels. Not only is it a great book, but what it really does to help change perspectives and and ideas, uh, you know, that's just so great. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. Very cool. Well, so you mentioned earlier that you had a lot of different jobs. Yes. so you actually lost your sight when you were older, right? You were right, when I was 26 old? years old. Yep, which seems young to me now, <laughs> but I, know, I was 26. every day, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's an interesting experience, you know, to, so you had your vision before you lost it. And what were you doing? What was your job at the time? Back then, I was working at a university helping students who wanted to study overseas, and so I was the assistant director of the study abroad office. So students would come in and tell me what their major was. We'd have appointments, and they'd tell me what their major was, what languages they knew, where they'd like to study. And if the university I worked for didn't have a program that had that in mind, I would call different colleges and say, hey, we've got this student, she's a sophomore, she'd like to go, how can we transfer her credits, and blah, 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 blah. The irony of all that is it was really a great job for a person who was blind. You know, you're talking to people, you're listening to them, you're getting on the phone. Um, Talking computers were just coming out, you know, so as I was losing my sight, I could still really get close to the computer, but in, look at the screen, but that, the technology would have happened, but unfortunately, my boss was not forward thinking. It really is a shame. I I think it was five years later, the ADA was passed, but to her, over the years, and actually writing the memoir really was very therapeutic, because I could kind of think through what all happened there, and it was kind of, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty contract termination, but too bad because that would have been the university that had the counselor who was blind. You know, it would have yeah. kind of yeah. spoken well for the university, and uh, but oh well. So I had yeah. to kind of regroup, and that's I started. I actually have a degree in journalism, but I had decided my senior year that I didn't like 
pestering people. So I decided I didn't want to be a journalist. But I picked that up again and started writing, and it's been wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, I have all these jobs. Yeah, I have. So I, I work for WBEZ, which is the Chicago public radio affiliate of National Public Radio. So I work part-time for them. I work part-time for Easter Seals headquarters, which is headquartered in Chicago, and they have a blog about autism. So I moderate that blog, which means I keep my ear to the ground about what's going on about autism, and then I find people to write blogs, and then I've learned HTML code, and I edit the blogs and put them up for them. I teach a, a memoir writing class for senior citizens in Chicago that's sponsored by the city, so it costs them $2 a class, so I get seniors from all over the city. It's, it's really, the writing is inspiring, but really what inspires me is they, somehow they get downtown. I mean, these people are 90 years old, 85 years old, they take the bus, they take the L, they get to this downtown location to write their pieces and read them out loud to us every week, so that's really pretty wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, how did you get started as a writer after you left your other job? Yeah, I started writing uh, as I was losing my sight. A social worker at the hospital where I was having a lot of surgeries suggested that I keep a journal. Problem was, though, my eyes were patched because I was having all these surgeries. So my husband brought me a tape recorder. And every day I would just talk into the tape recorder and say what was going on at the hospital, how I was feeling, that sort of thing. And um, after the surgeons realized that none of the surgeries would work and I'd be blind the rest of my life. We went back home. We lived in this university town because that's where my job was. And they had these brand new fangled talking computers. They were, it, it was new technology, but they had them for students. And they let me use them as long as the students were using them, which was really good because it, when you have a new disability, you can tend to stay at home a lot or be a little afraid to go out in public. But in order for me to use that uh, technology, I had to walk over to the rehab center. So I started listening to the tapes, and that's how I learned to use the talking computer with a word processor. I'd listen to the tapes and then type what I was hearing and get it all down on the computer. And once I started reading these things, I, I thought, well, this could make a pretty good book. I, you know, so I, um, first I, I ordered a lot of books from the Library of Congress Talking Book Program, Your Tax Dollars at Work. Thank you very much, America, because it pays for these books. You, it's the free library service for people who are blind or can't turn the pages of books, that sort yes. of thing. It's wonderful, yeah. It is fantastic. So I ordered every book they had that was written by a blind person, you know, every memoir by a blind person, to just see if my story had been told. And um, a lot of the books tended to be about people who had found religion after they lost their sight or people who had done really amazing things like uh, sail across the ocean or climb the Appalachian Trail or now there's a man who climbed Mount Everest and who was blind. So I had, you know, I thought, well, maybe there's room for a book by an unathletic pagan. You know, I could think there's maybe there's still room for me. So I started putting it into book form. And like I say, it took me about three years. And then it took me 10 years to find a publisher. And I kept revising. And so I worked on it a long time. And in the meantime, that's a whole other story. And I don't know, um, do we have time for my... My nude modeling story. Well, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Okay. Some important messages from our sponsors, and then we have to hear about the nude modeling story. (laughs) Okay. So please, we'll come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. 
Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash work, W-O-R-K, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Whether they're big, small, hairy, or whatever, you're going to need gear for your feet. And Kids Foot Locker's got all the great shoes and gear that'll get you in the game. Go to kidsfootlocker.com, enter the code AFWRK1KF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFWRK2KF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at kidsfootlocker.com. And cover those funky feet. FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's seven-day satisfaction guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD. Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code WORK1234 at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P.com, code word W-O-R-K-1234. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery. Or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Beth Finky and her dog, Harper. And okay, Beth, before the break, you said that you actually were a, a model, but a yes. nude model? <laughs> I was a nude model for art students. So I said, I should add that. I wasn't just, you know, out there. <laughs> All right. So after I lost my sight and after I lost my job, I... And I started writing, but um, I, writing, those of you who are out there who are writers, it takes a long while for you to start making money from writing. And so I wanted, I like, I like working. I just like working and I like a little pocket money. So um, 
my husband at the time, the internet hadn't really taken off. So every Sunday he would read from the one ads. And I did get, I got jobs. Um, I was a volunteer coordinator. I babysat infants, which always tells me there is a high need for daycare in America if people would bring their infants over to this blind woman to watch them. But, but infants, you know, they don't do much they, or they don't crawl. They don't, you know, I could hold them. I could swaddle them in my arms and walk backwards so that if, if I ran into something, it would be my bottom hitting the wall before the kids had, you know, it, I had ways of taking care of the infants. Anyway, I had all these jobs, but Mike would read the classified every Sunday night and kind of, he'd go through them and say, well, you know, he knew, he'd say like airline pilot, probably not. Okay. Receptionist for a real estate agency, maybe. And I'd have my tape recorder running and he would read the phone number. And then the next morning I would start calling these places. Well, one night he he read as a joke. He said, "Well, here's one you could do: University Art Department seeking nude models. Call blah 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 blah." I didn't have my tape recorder on, and he didn't realize it. But I memorized the phone number without telling him. I just okay three 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 four six three. So the next morning I called, and I sometimes back then on the phone or when I was applying, I didn't always say I was blind. Sometimes I did. I wasn't. It was kind of just my mood at the time. Really, you might know this. What you face. If you apply for a job and you tell them ahead of time you have a disability, then they have time to figure out another reason not to have you work there. You know, they can find, oh, you don't have a master's degree, or they can find some. But if you don't tell them, and then you show up with your guide dog or your white cane or something, that's quite, you know, it's not right either. Yeah. It's an ethical one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I told her, I got on the phone, this receptionist answered, I said, listen, I'm blind. I'm looking for work. I'm wondering if I, you know, I might be able to do this. And she said, oh, honey, you don't have to be able to see to take your clothes off for college students. And I said, okay. So uh, my guide dog at the time, Pandora, she's a black lab. She was a black lab. She guided me over to the art department. And the that receptionist helped me fill out the form, which was also now with talking computers they can do that. And with, you know, but I couldn't fill out a form because I couldn't write on a line, straight on a line. So she helped me, and um, the information it was odd. What you, you did say uh, how tall you were, what your skin color was, your availability every day, your age, and I had just turned forty. And she said, "Oh, we need new, we need uh, middle-aged models." So it was the first time I'd been called middle age. But anyway, I I went. Let's see. Did I? I must have. Did I tell? Yeah, I told Mike before my husband. Before I went to the audition. You actually have to audition to be a nude model because they don't want you to show up at class and then freak out and say, "Oh my God, I can't do this," because then you've wasted three hours of the student's time. You know, for a lab, labs were three hours long. So I had to get up on a table and. Take your robe off and take five different positions. And there were five or six women in this group. So who wanted to go first? This woman raised her hand. And I had met her when we were putting our robes on. And she'd done this at some other college. And she was all, you know, oh, she knew how to do this, blah, blah, blah. She jumped on the table. She took her five poses. And, okay, she passed. And then they wanted to know who was wanted to be next. And I rose. I just, I was nervous. And I wanted this to be over with. And I we're, you know, there's a million times that I wish I could see, but that was one of them. Because if I had seen the poses she took, I would understand yeah. what these poses. I couldn't really even. Well, anyway, I got on the table and I urged Pandora. You know, I commanded her to come on up, come up, and she would not come up. And the table was about the same height as the table at the vet, and she just didn't want any part of it, which was a huge drag. Because I thought I could at least position her 
around parts I didn't really want to expose to the public, you know, parts of my body. But anyway, she wouldn't get up there. So there I was, and I stood up there, and, re- and, this, and the audition was for, it, there were a couple art professors, and the receptionist was there. That's all that were in this room, and the other w- woman that wanted to be models. So she, they told me to take my robe off, which really was not the hardest part. The hardest, I kept thinking, five positions, if I... I was not very graceful when I could see, and things did not change when I lost my sight. So I took my robe off and kind of stood there, and I must have looked dumbfounded because one of the professors said, okay, pretend that you're going to go lie down. And so I went, you know, I started leaning down, and they said, okay, stop. Okay, they said, that's one position. Okay, now keep trying. And so I'd go a little bit further, and they'd say, stop. So anyway, I ended up lying down, and that was it. I passed the audition. Uh, Mike was not happy about it, but not he was never one to stop me from doing anything. So he actually drove me to my first gig. I got to the first gig, and you have to stand in a position for 50 minutes, five zero minutes, and try your best not to move so that the students can draw you without you change. So as I was standing up there, and I did, like I say, I had this degree in journalism, and I had been keeping that journal, I thought, and my book was not published at all. I, I, it was really early on when I was working on it, I thought, this would make a good story. This whole, what I just told you. Yes. So I, I stand up there and it's really quiet while there, sometimes the teachers would have music, but I think this one was pretty quiet. And so I kind of wrote it in my head. And when I got home, I, I used, I had a talk, my own talking computer by then. I started jotting it down. It got published in an alternative newspaper in our town. And I didn't know it, but alternative newspapers are syndicated. So all over the country, like, um, the Berkeley Bard, the Isthmus in Madison, Wisconsin, they, they all have, they take some stories from the, anyway, it got picked up by the Anchorage Press, the, some newspaper in Idaho, all over the country, my little story about nude modeling. So I sent it to um, National Public Radio, to This American Life, which is a pretty popular program there, and they rejected it, but it, fin- it did get picked up by Morning Edition, and that started my career as writing essays for public radio. So as what I tell people who want to be writers, they have to take a nude modeling job first and that, <laughs> then it'll all go from there. It'll all fall into place after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. It, it, it turned out to be a good one. I modeled for years, three or four years. So it was... Good for you. Yeah. You're- you're my hero because oh, I, sure. <laughs> I could never do that. So that's well, amazing. I'll be honest. It, it is. It kind of. I mean, it was. Uh, I never would have done it if I could still see. I, well, other. I think other. I might have had better paying jobs if I could still see, but or better opportunities. But it was one thing. It kept me in the visual art world. I would go to um, openings. When, for these students and, and eat my wine and, you know, I mean, drink wine and eat cheese and, and without being able to see the drawings, it was less embarrassing. And most of the drawings were when, you know, I'd go with people who could see and they'd say, well, almost, almost all of them were of my seeing eye dog and my little bare feet. So the students were as uncomfortable with the nudity as I was, you know, and so they would just draw the dog. And, and so I, I thought, God, I, you know, I don't smoke cigarettes, but at store, I mean, I could think, gee, I could go out and get a cigarette and just leave the dog there and then come back and I could have gotten paid for, you know. But, so the, yeah, that's, so that's interesting, though, that that's what they chose to, mm-hmm. to draw. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think, and she was a black lab, which would be difficult to draw, you know, black labs, you know, they're kind of. Yeah, yeah. My first dog was a black lab too. And it was really hard in photos. It's really hard to see her. Yes, right. The definite. Very well. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I talk with people who um, have become disabled later in life or something and they tell me oh what can I do now there's no jobs for me there's no and I love that because that's how I feel I've worked since I can remember yes I I was 12 years old and working really important to me because I'm like you I like to have a few bucks in my pocket yes it's freedom it's independence right and and not to mention and then you meet people you meet all sorts of people through your jobs and you have to work together and they learn to work with you and yeah I really I enjoy it yeah yeah so now I can tell people well look you can always be a nude model you can always (laughs) add it to the list that's right, no matter yeah. really what your disability is, absolutely, you're in. Well, you know, and another thing that is aside from my disability, one our, our neighbor was an artist at the time, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, you'll be great. They, they really get tired of these skinny college kids. You know, they, they like somebody with meat on their bones. I was, okay, so one, I'm middle-aged, two, I've got meat on my bones. What, you know, but perfect. body types, you don't, they don't want perfect body types. They're tired of that, so... Wow, even Don't better. let that stop you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. You got to persevere. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, Use what ask, you got. So you do a lot of writing. You mentioned some of the different publications that you work for. What is your favorite subject to write about now? Wow. You know, I don't think I have a favorite. I know you want me to say dogs, don't you? Well, no, not necessarily. Oh, let's see. My oh boy, I like. I just I like. I am a very fortunate person that I do a lot of thing, a lot of different things, and so I like to write about everything. I guess, I, I guess maybe one of my favorite things to do is to write about something that uh, an average person might not guess that a person with a disability can do, and and not really even mention the disability much. You know, like well, I went to this. Baseball. I went to a baseball game the other. Uh, we went to a baseball game the other night, and the hamburgers, the hot dogs were good, and really it was a good game. And you know, and I'll I'm, I'll usually put a little paragraph, not saying I'm blind, but kind of explaining how I appreciate that or something. But I, I guess I enjoy writing that, and I, it's in the back of my mind that part. It's not my responsibility, but something I can do is let people know that people with disabilities can lead fun and fulfilling lives. It's not uh, despair and sadness. Um, That said, when I wrote Honey and Beth Safe and Sound, my children's book, I really wrote it to teach children about seeing eye dogs and what they do and how they work. And it is in Honey's voice. So she's saying, she's saying, I do this, I do that, this is how I do. And one of the first reviews that came out complimented it, thank goodness, and said, this is a wonderful book to teach children that, what I just said, people with disabilities live really rich and fulfilling lives. And yeah. I thought, isn't that yeah. something? I didn't, that was not my intention, but just by, by Hani saying, yeah. I take best to interviews, I take best yeah. to dances, I take best to, the, it, it, it came she out. Demo- so, yeah, she demonstrated how that happens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is such a huge myth that people always tell me, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, yeah. sorry for what? You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, What'd you do? Yeah. yeah because- I'm sorry, sorry that you're so busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, I know. Yeah. I'm like, I don't get that because I'm like you. I mean, life is life, you know, yeah. and, you, and you live it to the fullest. Hopefully yeah. everybody does that. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's so great that you could demonstrate it, especially for children. Because unfortunately, adults, we place our biases on our wonderful, open-minded children. And yeah. then they start having those. And it's, it is really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and we all do it in a lot of different ways. Right, and I don't think we mean it. I don't think it's necessarily evil. It just is, yeah. Yeah, it's our own biases. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so any way that we can educate and, and share a little glimpse into the reality is just the coolest thing ever. Yeah, yep. Yeah, well, tell us a little bit more about, so you write for a lot of different publications. You write for The Bark, is that yes. correct? Yes, that all started... All right, so after I got my my nude modeling essay out and got some success with that, I decided I would like to freelance. My first dog magazine story was in Dog Fancy, and it was, they used to have a, the last page was readers write sort of thing, perspective, I think, and they encouraged readers to send in their essays. And my dog, Pandora, was retiring or needed to retire at the time, and I couldn't decide whether to retire or not. And so I often figure out problems by writing them down and writing, writing, you know, this is a good idea, blah, blah, blah. And so I wrote something about my decision to retire her and sent it in and it, it got picked up by Dog Fancy. So I started writing regularly then for Dog Fancy and there were some subjects that were, they were racy for Dog, but they weren't really racy. They were just not appropriate for Dog Fancy. I think, my, and so I'd, I'd have the idea and if it got rejected by Dog Fancy, I would submit it to the bark. And I think one of my first stories for the bark was the first, it was about it was before 2001. I know this because I think it'd be harder to do this now. I sat on a plane with a young woman who saw my seeing eye dog and then started gleefully telling me the story about how their family owns a German Shepherd. Their dad had a harness made for it and wears sunglasses and pretends he's blind so that they can get the dog on the plane. Yeah. And she was just tickled to death to tell me the story and I did not find it funny at all (laughs) and so I wrote a it it wasn't an I started it with that story but then I went into the laws about getting dogs on planes and and kind of proposed that yeah maybe we should change the law so everybody can bring their dogs on planes you know that that's the way to do it don't fake a disability that's not right I mean if you really think that dogs should be able to work on it that way so anyway that was my first Bark article, and then I was, I've been freelancing for the magazine since then. But about four or five years ago, I started my own blog, I, I, and I got a job here in Chicago. I work for Easter Seals headquarters in Chicago. I moderate their blog. Oh, I said that already. I moderate their autism blog. And then I started my own blog, and then I was contacted by the people at Bark who do their blog. Um, Lisa Wogan is in charge of the wonderful Bark blog and asked me if I wouldn't be interested in contributing to that from time to time. So I do from time to time. Sometimes they have an idea for me. Something's coming up in the news that has to do with, well, for example, the ADA regulations for service dogs was changed last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. They asked me to write something about that. Otherwise, I come up with an idea, something's going on. Well, when I um, came home with Harper, I just wrote a little bit about what it's like to have a brand new seeing eye dog and how we were dealing with the snow in Chicago. And then just this week, I had something in there about clicker training. They're starting to use clicker training with guide dogs. And so, no, starting, they've been doing it for a while, but I wrote a little piece about that. So that's up there this week. 
So that's a, it's a lot. It's it's great to work with Lisa. She's a really good editor, and um, I like the immediacy of it. You write it, and it goes up yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah, and then that, you get yeah. comments right away. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was my next question. Was I was going to ask you because our unfortunately our time is just about ah, up. We just got started. I know it feels <laughs> that way, right? Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about how our listeners could get in touch with you because you have a website, and how mm-hmm. can they purchase um, both books? Your children's it probably, book. Yeah. And my long time to see, it'd probably yes. be best to start at my website, which, because it's the easiest address to give you, and it's bethfinky.com. So my first name is Beth, like Elizabeth, and my last name is F, like in Frank, I-N-K-E.com. And from there, you can link to my blog, you can contact me, you can link to where to buy my books. It's all right there. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Beth. It's been such a delight to visit with you and to, to hear about all your, <laughs> your adventures. Adventures, that's what I call them, yeah. And I hope you'll come back and visit with us again because I have a very strong feeling you're going to have a lot more adventures to talk about soon, too. Oh, Marcy, thanks. It's really been fun to talk with you. Well, and thank you, our listeners, for being with us. And thank you for your emails. Um, we love getting them. And as you know, you can follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Twitter. And you can read our blog at workinglikedogs.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, you know Whistle and I love to hear from you. And you can email us at marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at petliferadio.com. So thanks so much for being with us, and we hope you'll come back again real soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.